This essay is called, It's Not About Not Being Dysregulated. When I first started my own healing journey, I had an idea that I would know I was doing it correctly if I was able to be smooth, calm, and always regulated. I thought the goal was to clean the internal messiness, and that if I was doing healing right, the mess would eventually be cleaned up. I thought that mess was what made me sick, and that if I put enough effort into cleaning it, it would be gone and I would be well. I'm not sure how much of that idea came from my own interpretation of what I was taking in, and how much is just prevalent in the culture because of the way the culture interprets the truth and spits it out in a way that can be sold to people. When I took healing into my own hands and began a relationship with psychedelics, I was slowly, and somewhat painfully, able to drop the fantasy of what I thought healing was, to be able to meet the truth of what healing is. We heal through our mess. We need it. It is the arrow that points us in the direction of liberation. The mess will always be inside of us. It is us. And we do not want to continue to resist, hate, or repress it. In fact, having to repress the mess is what caused the trouble in the first place. And it is exactly what we are trying to reverse. Dysregulation is the first step to healing. It is a marker that something is asking to be healed and let go. And dysregulation will always be with us. It won't, however, be with us in such an aggressive way when we can learn to hang with it. We grow through our mess. Without this step, we would be bypassing. It would be like going to the gym but never lifting weights. We get stronger through engaging with our own dysregulation. The mess, or the mind, is our sparring partner. But this is not as antagonistic as it sounds. The mind doesn't know any better. It is like a feral animal just trying to survive, and it is our job to tame it. This is a loving process. Our mind is the worthy opponent who makes us stronger and healthier And part of the journey is learning to honor it as such. I want you to save this essay somewhere and come back to it when you're feeling hopeless or helpless. I want you to come back to it, especially when you feel like you wish you had another body, like, okay, I get it. We need the mess, but if I could just have someone else's mess, please. Like if you were anyone else, it would be easier. Your mess is sacred. Every mess is sacred, but your mess is sacred. It is a unique training regimen tailored specifically to you so that you can liberate yourself and through that so that we can liberate each other. So let me say it again and clearly. Healing starts with a feeling of dysregulation. If we want healing, we have to learn to love dysregulation. Learning to love dysregulation is what changes the game entirely. The dysregulation is not working against us. It's working for us. Something is coming up in order to be healed. It cannot be healed unless it presents itself to us. It's not comfortable when something is trying to process out, and I wish I could make that different for us all. But this is the truth of the matter. No one can make that different. Our task is to learn to love that discomfort because it is the very thing that heals us liberates us, and makes us stronger. 
Learning to love the discomfort frees us from having to effort in preventing it. No matter what, there will always be a way to dysregulate us. We live in bodies with trauma of all kinds. But when we learn to love the discomfort, to spar with it in a friendly way, we can learn to handle what comes as it comes. This is mastery. We can put down the idea that we can prevent future dysregulation. We cannot. And instead, we get to learn that we can be with the dysregulation when it shows up because that is what we are practicing. It is nearly impossible to prepare for dysregulation. During dysregulation, we are out of our right minds where we store all of that good prep work. So we cannot prevent it. All we can do is practice with it when it's here and enjoy it when it's not. Whether or not we are dysregulated is none of our business, really. It happens when something gets poked, and if we want to go out and live a full life, we can't really prevent that from happening. It doesn't mean we haven't done a good job if we get dysregulated. It has nothing to do with that. This is why the practice isn't about making dysregulation disappear. If we are out there in the world, our stuff is going to get hit. That's just how it works. Through practice, we are learning how to experience that stuff and be in the world at the same time. All of that junk that was once too overwhelming to process needs to unstick if what we truly want is to heal. For that to happen, that stuck junk needs to be present in our bodies. Being present in our bodies feels like dysregulation. We cannot heal without that step. If the stuckness cannot be experienced, which is to say, if we cannot train to experience it, it will stay stuck and we will stay sick. So healing is not about not being dysregulated, just the opposite. Healing is practicing being dysregulated better. Every time we get dysregulated, we get to practice. And the very thing we need here is practice. This is a special and sacred thing. It becomes an intimate bond between you and you. You are lovingly taming the lion of your mind that says, if you experience this, you will surely drown in it or get stuck there or hurt yourself or someone else. Please enter whatever nightmare scenario your mind presents for you. They are endless. I use the word tame here very deliberately because it's not a battle or a war or a fight to the death. The mind is out of control and it feels better when it has a loving mistress or master. You feel better when you can grow into the role of loving mistress or master. Everyone feels better when the mind is tamed and it cannot be tamed by a punishing mistress or master. Who could feel safe under that gaze? It will continue to gnash its teeth and distrust you. It will not be tamed by something that hates it, and it would be right to stay far away from that energy. I'm writing about this now because it's wholeheartedly present in my life, and I think it's a good example. For folks who've been with me for a while and followed my story, you know there was a time during COVID where I was searching for housing and in a holding pattern of house-sitting moving every few weeks. It felt like I lost opportunity after opportunity and that I just could not solve the problem of housing. It took about 18 months for me to land in my current apartment, which is a great home office, but not a great home. I'm very much looking forward to my next step, 
and in mid-October, I started doing some preliminary searching for my next possible living situation. For many people, that would be absolutely no big deal, but for me, it is a gigantic deal. The amount of trauma I have around home goes back a long way, and additionally was very recently activated through COVID. Practically, I host clients at my home, so financial security is tied into housing security for me. Psychologically, I love my work, and anything that could harm it makes my mind go bananas. On top of that, the near-constant destabilization over that span of 18 months took a toll on my spirit that is still hard for me to verbalize. It was chaos, instability, insecurity, feeling completely out of control, and never being able to land. That period of time hurt every area of my life. As I move in the direction of new housing, my whole body is screaming. It is terrified that we will land back in that place of chaos and instability, and on top of that, that we will lose clients and our very special livelihood. As soon as moving went from window shopping to offers on the table, panic set in. I mean, legitimate, heart-stopping, holy shit, I can't breathe kind of panic. I began watching myself go berserk. And this is what the mind does to us and why we practice with it. Out in reality, things were working out in my favor. I set myself up really well. I started looking for housing several months before I actually had to move to be able to collect a lot of data and not get caught in a crunch. I asked for and was able to receive trial runs at a few places I was considering so I wouldn't have to move anywhere without getting a real embodied feel for the place, which is crucial for me in this tender state. No one was asking more of me than I could comfortably give, and in fact they were opening doors and giving me exactly what I was asking for and needed. Objectively, I could have been extremely proud of myself. I could have been giving myself a thousand high fives and reminding myself that I know how to do all of this. I digested all of the lessons from that terrible chaos and integrated them into a new way of approaching moving, housing, and housing security. But what I was actually experiencing was terror, panic, and doubt. The gap between pride and panic is where the practice of taming comes in. Processing, or taming, major trauma almost always involves psychedelics for me, and that is why I use them with clients. I believe they help us learn how to practice healing because they help us understand what healing really is. Psychedelics for me are my way of calling out to God. They are how I ask for more strength than I currently have. When I can't tame my mind alone, I know if I can collaborate with the medicine, the medicine will help. I don't want to give the wrong impression here, so I need to say that when asking for the strength to tame the top layer of something major— things get worse before they get better. If I'm overwhelmingly dysregulated, it's because whatever is under the surface is too scary for me to see and tame in my present waking life. If I go in and ask for the strength to see it and tame it with the help of psychedelics, when I come out, I'm going to be very sore and fucking exhausted. So here I am, spent, having used all the energy I have to tame this scary thing And then I have to deal with what happens to my waking mind after the medicine wears off. My mind will freak out and it's going to go nuts resisting integrating that taming for a little while, meaning the dysregulation goes up 
for a little while before it settles and I get the spacious feeling of liberation, having tamed another piece of outdated trauma that will no longer have control over me. That spacious feeling of liberation guides my life and is my greatest motivator. It gives me a kind of security that is undeniable and inviolable. That is the true power of healing and is available to you and everyone. This is why it's not about being regulated. The dysregulation is attempting to help us understand that we have wires crossed inside of our subconscious. Healing happens when those wires uncross and our practice is to become strong enough to let them. They will do it on their own. They want to. When something gets hit and dysregulation happens, that is the system working as it should. The wires are attempting to uncross and the wounds would heal on their own if we really understood how it worked and we knew how to let it. Most of us don't understand how it works and we are terrified of it and what we think it means about us. So we capital R resist, not because we want to, but because it is the only thing that seems safe, and then everything comes screeching to a halt. But this process can be sweet and tender, and through acceptance can even become kind of fun. With enough time, practice, and love, there can start to be a kinky pleasure in staying with the discomfort. For everything you can hold, you gain liberation, you gain self-assured trustworthiness, and you gain the kind of confidence that cannot be denied by you or anyone. It is awe-inspiring and amazing. We are human beings, and we live in a crazy, messed-up world just as a baseline. The global scene doesn't even incorporate the amount of interpersonal stimuli that hit all our soft spots every day. We will be dysregulated more than we will be regulated, and that has no bearing on how healed we are. In fact, I would side with Krishnamurti in saying, it is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Regulation is not the measure of wellness. The measure of wellness is how we be with that dysregulation, as in the relationship we have with it and to it. If we can practice lovingly taming the lion of the mind, we will come to see that dysregulation is not the problem. It is the arrow that points the way to freedom.